Hey folks, it's time for another episode of the High Power Archery Podcast. Sorry it's a couple of days late, I usually try to get them out on Sunday at the very latest, but got tied up with a lot of things, including some stuff with the students this weekend, so unfortunately I was unable to get one out as early as I normally like to. But, anyway, getting to the topic of today's podcast. It's very simple. It's strength versus technique. Now, some may be listening to that and thinking, what's he talking about? Strength, technique, if you don't have technique and you don't have strength to go with it, it doesn't work. That's true in some some cases, but not in all. And what I seem to find is that people equate being built tough, huge, strong, that they should be able to pull back an 80 or 90 pound bow. Let's face it, we see enough of this on YouTube and on other places, even on TV, and they make it look like, oh, it's a machismo thing. They should be the only ones who are able to do this because I am man, I am strong, and all that. Well, I got to tell you something. That's not exactly true, and this is probably going to anger a lot of people when I say it, in particular some coaches that find there's a limitation with how far they've been able to take their student or someone that they're coaching as far as draw weight is concerned. Now, a couple of things to this that I'd like to preface it with first. And the first thing is draw weight, how much someone is pulling, really doesn't make a difference as to what the performance is going to be. What am I talking about with that? Well, the first thing that I hear is, well, my kid can't go hunting because he can only pull 30 or 35 pounds, whatever it is. There's no way they're getting through a deer with that. And for those of you who are here for the target aspect of this and really don't want to hear about hunting, bear with me for a couple of minutes as I just go through this because this is really geared towards people who try to see a low draw weight as a limitation, which it's not. But we have different ways of making up for it. So while someone's learning, if they can't draw a lot of weight, We'll make up and compensate for that by changing their arrow config. Giving it a heavy arrow creates more more power on the impact, allows them to do more with less. So that should never be a barrier. Again, what I'm trying to stress here is that strength does not equate to the ability to do something with accuracy. It actually does not. What it does equate with is the stronger you are, Okay, and the better you combine that with proper technique, the better you're going to be at a particular discipline in archery because it has to do with being able to be calmly holding on the line, having everything going for you so that you can concentrate on the shot and not, oh my God, this bow is about to tear my arm out of the socket. Tell me how many times you see people who are completely overbowed who cannot hold the bow back more than a couple of seconds. Now, I've been over this in many podcasts before. The girls that I train, really there is no limit to what I train them to do. The limit is only what they want to do. What do I mean? If you want to shoot a longer distance, okay, then you might have to shoot a little heavier draw weight unless you want to have issues reaching the distance. Now, we can put a heavier arrow. It's going to mean your arc is going to be higher or whatever, but it'll let it get down there. 
But the way I teach it to them is very simple. We will improve your technique and thus improve your strength level and the ability, your power, let's just say, to get it back there. Now, if you ever see some of the girls that that I train, they do not look like Arnold Schwarzenegger with lipstick on. They are not built like tanks. Yet, at the same time, a mother of two that I teach is able to draw 65 pounds. Why? Because she's using the proper technique. A 14-year-old is able to draw 60, 70 pounds. Why? Because she's using the proper technique. A 12-year-old that I have can draw a lot more than that when she wants to or when she's trying to prove a point. Go back a couple episodes and find out about her because I brought her up a couple of times. Are they from another planet, from Krypton, where they have superhuman strength? No, they are not. But what they all share in common is very simple. They have taken the time to learn the proper technique. And in learning the proper technique, they're able to develop the proper muscles to do it. Now, in contrast to this, let me just say, there are people that I see at the archery range, okay? And this, um, I'm going to call him uh, the example of this person. It's Joe Joe the Jock, okay? Comes down there, had just gone to a bow shop. The guy is 6'1", 245, huge mountain of muscle. Spends most of his days at, at the gym, whatever. Can barely, can barely see most of the time because he's wiping sweat off his eyes as he's working out. Yet this big dude comes down there with his 80-pound bow that he's got set to the max that he just purchased. Why? Because... The sales guy said, this guy can handle it. Well, why not do that? And he wanted the, the biggest, baddest bow he can get. Sound familiar? I've seen it too many times. But anyway, so this dude will come down there, get the biggest, baddest bow he can get, get down to the range. And I find it kind of funny because when they're in the pro shops or the big box store or whatever, if they have a range in the big box store, Whoever the sales guy is, is either not caring because they sell this bow to the guy and realize that he can't pull it back for his life or that he doesn't have the experience to shoot it, or they just don't care. Or should I say care enough to make sure this guy's not going to walk out with something that's particularly going to hurt him. It's not the case in all stores. A lot of guys will just tell you, hey, dude, this is too much for you. There's two simple old tests that I used to use that to this day really anger some people when I run it past them if I'm going to sell a bow to them, and I really don't sell that many bows anymore, so it's like, you know, whatever. Some Most people bring me their bows that they already have, but then i got to teach them the same lesson by winding it down until they can do this. But it's very simple. If you sit on a chair and lift your legs up, can you draw that bow back? without falling out of the chair or looking like you're about to just take a little tip out of there. Because what happens is guys like this or people who are overbowed, and the meaning of overbowed is you're just pulling back too much draw weight, are unable to do this. This is particularly important when people are hunting, especially if they're going to be in a tree stand. I can't explain how many people I've ever seen that draw so weird or so funky 
just to try to pull back more weight than they should be and nearly knock themselves out of the tree. It also affects them if they're in an area where they're hunting a particularly spooky game species like whitetail or something like that. You want to be quiet as you're drawing the bow, which means you minimize your movement, which means you're not literally almost falling out of the tree. I know one guy who draws so weird that I don't think he's ever seen a deer that didn't spook from him when he drew back. Why? Because it looks like he's trying to tie a knot behind his back when he's trying to draw back. And I'm not saying this to belittle people. What I'm saying is a lot of times people blame things on like, oh, the, the deer are too spooky around here or something else is going on or the wind was blowing too hard or something like that. When it all comes down to self-responsibility. They're the reason why they failed. They didn't take the time to learn how to do something properly. And sometimes admitting that you can't do something is the hardest part of the battle. So if you can't do it, get help or start at a lower draw weight until you can maximize your potential to move on to something heavier. Some people, without proper coaching, that could take an extremely long time. Other people, if they get a little bit of coaching and the coach who's teaching them knows what he's doing, and I'm not saying that a lot of coaches out there know what, don't know what they're doing. What I am saying is sometimes the coaches themselves don't realize what a student is doing and can't help them in the process. This is where it comes into tailoring it to your individual student, which I keep on stressing and stressing and stressing. Why? Because I see all too much of this. But I digress. So, what do we mean by the strength versus the technique thing? Okay, very simple. When you draw back a bow, okay, there's a couple of things that go into it. Now, I had done a learning series and all that, and part of it got deleted and couldn't find it. Long story. It's in the works again, whatever. But I describe in one of the episodes, if you will, how to draw back the bow. Now, here's the thing. When you draw back a bow, you're not using your hand muscles, your forearm muscles, your, the rest of your arm. None of that should be in play as far as putting stress and tension on it. You should be drawing back with your shoulder muscles, pulling your shoulder in, pulling that scapula in towards your spine. Now, Unless you are shown how this actually works, and I can't really blame a lot of coaches for this because they've never actually seen how it's been demonstrated properly, Okay, and I don't care what level you are, there's very few people who know how to actually demonstrate it to a student about what true drawing with a back muscle is. One of the few people I know who can demonstrate it is the PSC coach. His name is Alexander Kirillov. And I got to tell you something. When when I saw him, I've known how to do it for many, many years, and I've been teaching how to do it for many years. However, I found that trying to communicate that to a student was sometimes a little difficult, and sometimes it took me a little longer with, with others than not. But Alexander teaches it a certain way, and he equates it to drawing your arm, okay, 
using your back muscle to tighten, and you're tightening it like there's a chain running from your wrist through your elbow, back to your arm, back to your shoulder, and you're rolling up that chain and tightening and tightening and tightening and tightening. And you can only tighten from the back part of the chain where the spool is, which would be your shoulder, and that's what's tightening as it pulls back. So that was an example that I took when he when he said that and when he demonstrated it even further because there's a way to hold something in the front and put your shoulders back and then pull back with your shoulders and pulling back with your arm and another way to sit on a table, sit, sit down at a table, put your arm dead at the table and pull your arm without actually actuating any of your arm muscles. There are different ways that he, that he described and is able to communicate that to other people. Um, and I use those today. But it all comes down to using your shoulder and not your hand or your forearm or your wrist or anything like that. So some people tell me, well, how do I get the bow to start going? I have to use something. And when people are first starting, okay, you can't throw everything everything in the kitchen sink at them. But what you can do is you get them going at first and you refine the technique and then it becomes clear to them and it kind of goes off like a little light switch. So what are we talking about here? Well, you'll notice that a lot of people, 90% of people I see out there, start off with a wrist, uh, a wrist strap release. There's a reason for that. Now, I personally lean away from that, but there's a reason most people do that. And if you think to yourself, it's kind of obvious because what you don't want them to do is to let go of the release. So if the wrist strap there, they can't let go of the release, and they're forced to pull the strap and the release. And you'll see them the first time. Even guys who've been shooting for years. I know guys who've been shooting for years who actually have broken the the neck, the goose neck of the release off because they squeeze that and they twist that as they're pulling back with their hand. So if you put tension into it like that, yeah, you're going to get the bow to go back a little bit. And going back to Joe Jock, this is the concept that he's using. Grab that release and pull as hard as you can. You're a 20-horse 20, 20 team pulling that thing back. Well, that's all well and good. He's exerting a lot of force for no reason. And when he does that, okay, he'll find, because he doesn't have the discipline or the technique, then he can't hold it back very, back very long. Or, on top of that, he'll also probably find he can only probably pull it up four or five times, and then he's either completely tired, his arm is breaking in pain or something like that. A number of things can be going on. Now, it may surprise people to find out that the way this is done, okay, it's not that hard, but it requires two things that are very, very important. One, alignment. Alignment is the number one thing that causes people to not be able to draw back with a clean technique. See, if your arms are all over the place, meaning you don't have proper alignment, and what is proper alignment? Uh, for starters, for people who are new to this, because it makes it easier to learn, I tell them 45 degrees to the target hips above your shoulders, and when you have your arm out, you're going to draw back, which is pulling your shoulder in the front, not all the way up in the air. It's at a normal level. 
and you're pulling those bones back and they go stacking on top of one another and they drive now that long armature into your shoulder socket. Well, guess what? That makes it extremely steady. But at the same time, the rear hand has to be steady and in line as well. So what I find most people do is they draw at an angle or they draw at a line. Two things happen with that. One, you are now weakening your pivot point that you have in the front, okay, that front arm and the shoulder. You're pulling it out at a line. What's happening now, you've got that perfect line that was existing before, is now out. Now you're putting undue stress on your elbow and on your shoulder in the front as you pull to the side. You're pulling in an uneven direction. You're pulling away from you in most cases. Or if you're one of these people who thinks you can sky draw and let this happen, which not for nothing, that would think that would be the one technique that you would think would work. Well, if I pull it all the way back like this and then come up. No, that's not how you do it either because if you do that, A, your sky drawing is going to get you thrown out of most places because it's not safe, but B, you're also still putting undue pressure at odd angles on your railing system, which consists of your front arm and your rear side. So think of it as front half, rear half. That front half has to remain in balance, bone-on-bone contact, all the pressure going into the fat part of your thumb pad, Coming back straight. When you go outside that line, what will happen is now everything comes apart. Now everything gets much harder to pull because not only are you pulling against the bow's weight in an uneven manner, you're also pulling to the side, which means now you're pulling against the cam sideways. And if the bow is not built right or the bow it doesn't have a very deep valley in the cam, where the grooves are, where the, where the string goes, what will happen is you have a good shot at derailing the bow, making it even more dangerous. Now, just think about it for a second. You're pulling out of line. Now it's like you're kind of, I tell people, I see too much of this. I see coaches say, push and pull, push and pull. Yeah, okay, push and pull. That doesn't make any sense because if you're pushing, that means your bone's not in alignment in the front. Because all of a sudden you're not pulling back. I'm pushing out. What am I doing? I'm putting pressure on my elbow. Bad idea. And they say, pull, pull, pull. But what are they pulling with? They're pulling with their wrist. They're pulling with their forearm. They're pulling with the wrong concentration of muscles in that rear half. What happens? You put all that stress. It results in pain. You can't do it a lot. You tire out very easily. A number of things go on. So I got a couple of emails this week saying, hey, how do I do this? I'll go through those in the listener emails later. But it all boils down to this. In order to draw properly, you have to learn the technique first. And I keep on saying that word technique, and I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. Technique is consisting of a straight line. Like I said, you stand at 45 degrees to the target. Open stance is what we call that. Bone-on-bone contact in the front half with the shoulder not all the way sky-drawn, the the shoulders at normal level, and you're pulling back. You're pulling back in a straight line. You're pulling with your shoulder because if you think about it, you're going to turn your your front towards the target, and all you're going to do 
is as you turn your waist sideways to line them up above your hips, you're pulling with your shoulder, pulling with your shoulder, pulling with your shoulder until boom. You look and wait a minute, I'm all the way back. Now, why do I say technique? Because if you try to do this when you're overbowed, it's not going to work. It's not even going to be possible for you to do it. It's going to be really hard to pull off. So what I tell people is, let's start at a lower weight. Okay? Now, pay attention to this part because this is where it gets interesting. If you learn the proper technique, getting up in draw weight is easy. I mean easy. What you'll hear a lot of people say, well, slowly increase by two pounds a week or five pounds a week or whatever it is until you get up to where, where you need to be. The problem with that is that if you're slowly increasing by two pounds a week or three pounds a week or five pounds a week and you're still doing the wrong technique, what's going to happen is, yeah, you'll get away with it for the first couple pounds that you're turning it up and then it's going to start to hurt again. My philosophy and the way I was taught and the way I teach is very simple. Start with the lower draw weight, sitting in a chair, standing, whatever you want, so you're able to draw back calmly in a straight line and anchor with your shoulder and get it up in there. And you should be able to hold there with no problem. Fine. You can do that consistently. You can do that for 50, 50 repetitions. And here's the key. I, if you want to do that, 50 repetitions of shooting it, and also 50 repetitions of being able to draw it back calmly and let it down calmly. Yeah, I said it, the evil word, let down. A lot of people do not have the ability to do this, and I think it emanates from the fact that the first time they started shooting, they were overbowed to begin with. So there was a fear of letting down. Not there, bad. It's a natural thing. It happens. But if you can't let down, there is a problem, and it's not a psychological one. At first, it could be a little bit of fear. But if you know, because you're practicing at a draw weight you can handle, that you're able to control it, there's no fear. What is there to be scared of? Draw it, and the same, the same process that you used to draw back with the shoulder, reverse it. Slowly release pressure on the shoulder as you go forward, 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 and you're controlled, holding it with the shoulder until all of a sudden you let down. Now, using this technique, you go up another couple of pounds, let's just say, and two turns, whatever it is, after you mastered it. And believe me, if you're doing this starting at the right weight and you're doing it properly, you master it like super quick. I've had kids that go from shooting 25 pounds to shooting 45 pounds in about two weeks if they're practicing three, four times a week. If they're not practicing three, four times a week, maybe a month, month and a half, but they're going to get to 45 pounds. And I'm talking about... 10, 12, 13-year-old kids who have never shot a bow before. Because what they're doing is they're starting, they're in the proper alignment. We're watching them, watching them, watching them go back, come, come to full draw, boom. Fire off, do it again, and I'll rotate every other shot. Let down. Draw. They never know what I'm going to say. But the whole time, my responsibility as a coach is watching what they're doing. It's one thing to tell somebody what to do, but once you start to see them veer off of that, you help them correct. Like, hey, hey, shoulder's coming out. Start drawing with that shoulder. And then there's always going to be 
that need to advance further and faster. I mean, let's face it, in this world, everybody's into the instant gratification thing. So all of a sudden, when they think I'm not looking, they'll try to turn it on and start yanking with their with their forearm or something like that. So there's ways to get around that, little tricks that I do to make sure they can't cheat on that. Now, some people may be saying, well, if I'm doing this, how do I do it with a handheld release, you know, like a thumb button or something like that? Simple. It's not hard. All that I tell people is if you're going to use um, a handheld release, like a button or something like that. I don't suggest doing this with a back tension, but if you want to shoot with a back tension, like I said, my kids don't use them. I don't see any need to them. But if you're going to use one, make sure you have a lanyard on it. And if that back tension has a lock release, you should be using the lock release on it so that you can draw back a couple times. Because believe it or not, some people with a back tension pull back really, really weird because they're so scared of the thing. Well, this is not going to be scared because you're pulling back with control. But with a back tension, they freak out sometimes. So using it with a lock or something like that is probably the best. But for the most part, any handheld release, you should have a a lanyard on it. Tie it around your wrist. Because if you're pulling back with a truly relaxed hand, that hook, okay, everything's relaxed as you're pulling back and you're pulling back your shoulder. There should be no tension anywhere in in that rear half except for the shoulder. Some people have a tendency and they have a fear that they're going to let go of the release. Well, once your hands, you know, those knuckles are wrapped around there, and you're pulling, you notice that your hand flattens out because it's relaxed and it comes back and it will release cleanly. But for those who are scared of letting it go, and I have seen people let it go right through the riser and wreck a bow, that sort of thing, the lanyard, if you do happen to do that, will stop it from happening because it'll just grab grab your wrist. That's why they make lanyards in the first place. Now, you may only have to use that first couple times you're doing it or when you're going to a new weight that you're not sure if you can handle it, but that shouldn't be the case because, like I said, you go incrementally up. But you're pulling back in straight line, okay? Your hand is completely relaxed. Your forearm's completely relaxed. Elbow, arm, everything completely relaxed. And because you have the, the lanyard on there, you have security that it's not going to go off unless you're talking back tension. Like I said, that's another deal entirely. If you're using a wrist strap, same thing applies. You have the wrist strap on. It is not choking your wrist on there comfortably. The problem I have with wrist straps is people put them on, they put them on too tight, they put them on too loose. I've seen people slip out of them. It's never in the same place twice. Those are the things associated with wrist straps that I don't like. Plus, they also promote people grabbing onto the neck of the release and trying to use that to yank back to the string. That's why I don't like them. But if they're using a wrist strap, fine, whatever. Um, I suggest, you know, using a, um, like one of those tennis wraps or something like that, uh, on your wrist, and then you just put the thing over it, like those little terry cloth things, whatever, I forget what they call them. I don't personally play tennis, so I wouldn't know. But um, put one of those on there, put it over. It kind of keeps the wrist strap in the same place. This way it's not moving. Wrist traps are a whole other deal that I'll get into another podcast, why sometimes your accuracy is affected by them, but whatever. So if you can use a wrist strap, you use that. So if you want to know a technique that I use for this to tell if a student is really doing it well and if I see a student's progressing too fast, you know, sometimes they can hide. The best students can hide when they're activating their, their muscles. They think I don't see it, and sometimes I get away with it. But I can got one easy way to tell if they're doing it or not. So I may be the only coach that sometimes walks down to the range with a couple of eggs. And what I'll do is I'll put that egg in their hand. 
And if they're using a if they're using a wrist strap, it goes into you know into the last two fingers. They can hold the egg like that as they draw back. And if that wrist is relaxed, they're able to hold the egg without crushing it. Guess what? The minute they put pressure on the on that hand, on that forearm, they crush the egg. That's the kind of sensitivity I'm talking about. You have to be in a completely relaxed state with your arm. So you're pulling back, boom, the egg doesn't break, you're fine. Same thing as if you're using a handheld release. Three-finger release, I'll put that egg somewhere in that hand where you have to hold on to it. It's fine if you drop it, but if you crush that hand, you crush the egg. Now, why am I stressing this so much? It's very simple. You can progress as far as you want, gaining strength as you go along, as long as the technique is clean. If the technique is off, you're going to find difficulty. So then you'll know you stay at that weight until you get it cleanly. You know you can do everything cleanly. And it goes really fast. The reason it doesn't work for a lot of people, as I said before, is because they're doing it with an improper technique coming back. Now all of a sudden, maybe they could have handled it 40 pounds. They go to 60 pounds, which doesn't sound like a lot of draw weight, but it can be because when you pull it out of line, all of a sudden, now that sheer power that you have going back, which is generated by the technique in the first place, is now lowered because you're doing it improperly out of line. I hope that makes sense to, to all those who are listening to me. If the technique is clean, the power comes with it. It's built. And a lot of times people don't realize that the first time they get into archery, they're using muscles that they have never used before. So this helps them get into get familiar using those muscles that have never been used for anything before. And they're pulling back and all that. This is the way I build up a person's tolerance, I call it, for draw weight. Now, you don't have to shoot 80 pounds. You can shoot 60 pounds, like I said. That's that other mentality, like, I have to shoot the highest draw weight. Yeah, no, you don't. But what you do have to do is shoot whatever draw weight you're going to use cleanly. If you don't, then the only thing that's going to happen is you're going to wind up becoming in fear of your shot, meaning you can't let down, where you don't feel like you're subconsciously in total control of the shot, results in a loss of accuracy. Trust me, I've seen it. Two, you can hurt yourself very easily. If you can't hold that draw weight back, you have a problem. You could, you could derail the bow, blow up a bow. You could pull the arrow off the rest. I see this a lot with people who are drawing on a lizard tongue for target. And I will tell people, it's great that you see all the pros using a lizard tongue when they're shooting indoor or shooting outdoor for that reason. Don't really care. But what you don't see is they're all able to pull it back straight. They've been doing it for years. So they generally don't fall off, even though for some of the best pros, it still falls off. Now, if a guy who's been doing this for 20 years has one fall off here or there on a narrow lizard tongue, do you really think you're going to do better as him or as good as him? Most likely not. So either I will put a wider lizard tongue on there if you insist on shooting that, or I'll put a drop away. Why? Because it takes one thing out of the equation, worrying about if that sucker's going to fall off or not. 
And even kids and adults who shoot target with me, if they're shooting a rest, that most target rests you'll see, they don't have a cage so the arrow can't fall out. Like if it rolls off the rest, it rolls onto the riser or whatever. I make sure they're shooting one that has a bit of a cage on it. Why do I do that? Like all the AAE ones, they have an optional either half cage or full cage that goes on them. I'll put at the minimum the half cage on there because if it rolls off, they know that they're not going to have any kind of problems. It'll hang inside the cage. They can let down, no harm done. If they all of a sudden have to worry about having that arrow roll off the rest and potentially hit their hand, and this is true of anything, whether it's a broadhead tip, a bullet point, I don't care. Then it creates a mental issue. It creates a danger that they know is there and then they start worrying about. Now combine that with the fact that they're not drawing straight or they can't handle the weight. That's a lot to to take into your mental buildup. That's going to make it all the harder to be accurate when you're shooting because to be accurate when you're shooting, it requires confidence. It requires calm. You've just got rid of most of your calm when you're worrying about how you're drawing. Is it going to hurt? Am I going to hurt myself this time? Is this going to be the time I put so much pressure on my shoulder that I pop something? Did I tear a rotator? Stuff like that. Shoot the weight that is comfortable for you and learn to build it up if that's your desire to do it. Now, there is going to be a companion video to this that I'm still trying to work on. I have to find the right person that can be my my student model for it. And I'll put it on there and I'll try to do all techniques and editing up. I actually, I'm late on getting that first YouTube video up there, up there. I've actually figured out how to use this editing suite, so that'll be along shortly. But there's a lot I can describe in a podcast that I can't actually show you unless it's on video. That's why I'm going to do my best to get that on there. And trust me, when that video comes out, a lot of people are going to be like, he doesn't know what he's talking about and all that. Yeah, the people who say that are usually the ones who can't draw weight for anything or whose students are stuck at a particular weight and they don't care. Like, well, that's all you're ever going to be able to draw, which I'll digress into later. But just to repeat my point, that's what this whole thing is about. Technique, clean technique where everything is in balance. You're pulling bone on bone in the front half. You're pulling with your shoulder with everything else relaxed in the back half in a straight line, not trying to pull it off center or anything like that. And the one thing I should mention about all this is it can only be achieved if the bow is set up properly for you. If someone is overbowed or the draw length is too short or too long, you won't be able to accomplish this. I see the too long thing all too often, and that's a problem. So one of the things I, one of the videos, one of the first videos I'm doing is coming out with not only how to measure the draw length on your bow and all that, how to take specs in the bow, but also how to make sure that your bow is fitting you purposely. Fitting it with purpose, I call it. It has to be a proper fit. But in order to do that, you have to purposely make sure that everything is in line and everything looks right. Harder to do by yourself than you think, easy to do if you have someone checking it just the one time. Because remember, you just have to get the bow set the first time, and then you can work it from there. Now, as I said many times before, sometimes people's form evolves over time. 
and that's okay. But we have to start with a clean base. So we'll start from the right right way to have set up what it should look like from above, from below, and from the rear. I'm not personally crazy enough to show what it looks like from the front because, well, I don't want to eat an arrow, so I'm not going to do that. As much trust as I have in the people that I work with, no, I don't think so. But hopefully this puts you on a path to trying to do this on your own until I can get that video out there. Like I said, if your alignment is fine and you're doing it at a low weight and you go up a couple pounds to the next weight, you may find out, hey, doing it with the right technique, there's no, there's no issue there. Doing it with the wrong technique, right away you'll notice an issue. And then if, like I say, sometimes video yourself from behind. Look to see if you're pulling to the right or to the left, pulling inside, pulling down. Take a close-up video of your forearm and your hand. Is that hand changing at all when you're drawing back? Are you seeing yourself make a fist and then trying to relax that? If you've gotten to the point where you're making a fist, you've already done it wrong. It has to be completely relaxed. That natural hook of your, of your hand, guess what? A release is not getting out there, even if you're completely relaxed, because it's going to hang against it. That's all got to be done right. And with that process, you'll be able to build up your weight properly. So, like, one, one guy who emailed me, I'll, I'll read his email in a little while, he was telling me that his wife can't get past a certain poundage on the bow. More than likely, it's because of the... The, the technique is not clean pulling back so that when she puts more stress on, on her arms and her, her appendages and all those joints as she's pulling back the heavier weight when they try to jack it up, she's probably all over the map on the, on the target. And also she'll probably see that it starts to hurt in places it's never hurt before. So it's very important that it be done cleanly with someone watching it. And then once you get, you know, you become proficient at like, Oh, I can pull straight like this, pull straight like this, no problem. Go up a little bit more. Maybe the first couple of times you you know, you're putting more tension on it. So now all of a sudden more weight means I have to be more careful doing it. Okay. And the only thing I know I'm going over on this, but the only thing I'll I'll liken that to is I tell people, if you can shoot at ten yards, you can shoot at a hundred. And they look at me like I'm a Martian. The fact is if your technique is clean at ten yards. Shooting 100 is no different. What happens is at 100, any mistakes that you have in your technique, anything is not being done properly, whether it be in holding and follow-through and the execution, will be magnified out there. So if you miss an inch at 20 yards, you're probably missing 10 inches or more at 100. So clean the technique, no problem. Same thing with this. If you can pull cleanly and relaxed at 40 pounds or at 25 pounds and you work on your technique as you increase it, you'll be surprised that it's easier to pull 60 and 65 pounds than you think. But you can't make the sudden jump from 40 to 60. Go two and a half, three pounds at a time. Control it. You got no problem? Keep going. Control it. Got no problem? Keep going. If I can draw it 20 times, 30 times, 50 times, if I can let it down 50 times, keep going. But then you're going to hit a wall where all of a sudden it's not comfortable or something doesn't feel right. That's where you have to work on your technique some more. Lower it down a bit, continue to work on a technique, go in a smaller increment up, try it again. You'll find that now you can practice at that a couple days to a week. All of a sudden you find out, oh, this is easier again. 
Do you want to go up further? Go up further. Like I said, always take the signs that your body is giving you if you are the only one there. If something doesn't feel right, you're doing something wrong. Go back to the videotape. See what you're doing. Have somebody look at you. Look at your alignment. Look at your look, Have them look at your hands. Look at your forearms. Something is not right. So it all has to do with, and I'll just go over the technique very, very simply. I want 45-degree stance at the target. Raise the bow to shoulder level, not above it. Arm in the front, your front half, bone-on-bone contact from the thumb pad. Solid contact going all the way, pulling it into your shoulder, into that shoulder socket. Draw with a relaxed hand, forearm. Draw, draw, draw with your shoulder, turning your torso until they line up with your hips. Come into anchor. Do that carefully. You'll have no problems. I've gone over this for 40 minutes because it's that much I have to stress. Do it cleanly. Do not rush it. If you have a question about it, send me a video. I'll tell you where I see something wrong. I do this all the time. I must receive maybe 20, 30 videos a month from people. Send it to me. I can tell you, and I'll I'll, I'll say, hey, this is what it is. If you want to do an online coaching session, we can set one up, not a big deal. But at least I'll tell you, even if you don't do the coaching session, here's what I'm seeing is wrong. And then take it from there. Because sometimes it's just that little bit of input that you need from someone else that will help you do this. All right. So that will do it for the technique. If you have questions about it, like I said, just email me. I'll be happy to answer them. But we're going to go into the listener questions for this week. This is, like I said, the listener questions are what generate all of these podcasts most of the time. They provide me with the ammo that I need to do, you know, to come up with the next topic. So um, this one comes from Francis G. from Quebec. He writes, just listen to the last podcast. Every time I hear you talk about how your girls can easily draw over 60 pounds, I think to myself, I got to find out how they do that. My wife loves to bow hunt but has trouble drawing 40 pounds, which is the minimum legal weight here. I remember you saying you had plans to make a YouTube video on drawing technique. Is that video, is the, is that video still in the works? Yes, it is. It would be really great to get her more comfortable with her bow. Keep up the great work. Well, thank you. And exactly what I described is how you do it. You do it slowly with proper technique, as I described, and you can build up her weight. And you may find out that she's shooting 40 pounds and she's kind of like at that wall where she can't go any further than that. But all of a sudden now, if you start concentrating on her form and technique when she's drawing back, two things could happen. One, you could find out that she needs to lower her weight a little bit to get familiar with drawing in that straight line and not using her arm muscles and that sort of thing. And that's only temporary. Work on a technique and build it up. Where you may find out she's able to do that completely. Now all of a sudden you crank up her bow a little bit and she can do it easily too. Different for everybody, but make sure it's being done clearly. And I think she'll progress with no problems. So the next question comes from Nicholas K from Dallas, Texas. He writes, hi coach. I just started listening to your podcast after one of my friends had it playing in his dad's car on the way to, to his shoot. Sometimes I get emails from kids too. I get a lot of them. I answer them. Kids are people too. That's why I tell people. And a lot of times they come up with really the best questions, but I digress. I never knew there were coaches who put things out for students like you do. 
A lot of the guys who teach down here won't talk to anyone who isn't paying them to be coached, and it was really different to see what you were doing. Well, anyway, I'm 14 and have been shooting for two years now. I've been trying to get my draw weight up, but can't get past 42 pounds. Remember that magical wall I was hearing, I was telling you about? My bow can go up to 60, but since I started, I've only got it to, to 7 pounds heavier than when I started, so he probably started around 35. The Joe coach we have told me that I just have to hold steady in my shoulder and forearm. Uh, hold on a second. The Joe coach we have told me I just have to hold steady and my shoulder and forearm were hurting pretty bad. Oh, no. Hold on. Backwards here. Joe coach. See, reading these emails sometimes, I, I try to get lost in them. Uh, that's why this is recorded live. Uh, the Joe coach we have told me I just have I just don't have the frame for pulling heavier weight. Oh yeah, that's why I remember this one. I don't have the frame for pulling heavier weight, and I just have to try to pull the heavier setting till I get used to it. Oh, it's gonna get me started. He turned my bow up to fifty five, and I tried shooting it for a week like that. I couldn't hold steady, and my shoulder and forearm were hurting pretty bad. I stopped shooting for almost a month till the pain went away, and then even 42 pounds felt hard to do. Is there any way for me to move up without pain, or I will just have to keep this draw weight till I'm older? Well, Nicholas, you got the email I sent back to you, but it was when, we, when you, to, your, you told me about your coach turning it up and just saying, you know, live with it, or, you know, you're stuck here, or whatever it is. Don't believe that for a second. Do what I told you, and you will progress. You are your own. You're, you should be your own teacher in some way that you know what your body is telling you. If your body is telling you something's hurting, stop. Just because the dude turns it up to 55 and says, work with it until it doesn't hurt anymore, it's not the right answer. It's downright stupid. Not on your half, on his part. So... Do it slowly. Do it under control. You don't have to accept it. You just add a wall that you can't progress until you get older. Do it the right way, and I believe I sent you, you know, pretty defined instructions on how to do this one. And get back to me if you have any issues. Okay. Now, I'm sure I'll hear from him because I only got that email two nights ago. I'm sure I'm he'll, I'll hear from him soon. And he'll be fine. If not, I'm going to email him back until he responds to me, and I'll make sure he's fine. Even if I have to do a coaching session with the kid, I'm going to make sure it's right. Because I hate to hear someone say, accept your limitation for what it is. You're never going to go any further. Or wait until you get older. I don't think so. It's just a vanilla answer these guys throw at people because they can't figure out how to help the kid out. And I don't like that, and everybody knows that about me. You know, so I always tell people that, you know, passing on archery begins with the coach or the teacher because the message that they pass on to the student is the same one that they're going to pass on to others. If you tell your student that they have to accept what it is and they'll never progress any further, they're going to learn to give up. And you know what's going to happen when someone asks them how to do this later on? they're going to tell them the same thing. So inspire the fact into your students that they can do it, that the only limitation they have is themselves, but that you will help them through it 
Don't just say it's your problem and that's it. You can't go any further because otherwise one day that'll come back to haunt you. What will come back to haunt you in the wrong circumstances? Maybe me, but whatever your students will wind up hating you for that. Inspire your students. Do not blow up their dreams by telling them you've hit a wall. You can't go any further until you get bigger. That just, well, that leads me into this episode's Don't Be the guy, That Guy. Now, this Don't Be That Guy, I'm going to try to remain calm. But it's dedicated to all those coaches and so-called instructors out there who tell people to just be happy with what they are, that they can't progress because they've just reached their fullest potential. Has anyone out there ever dealt with that before? Because I have, and I hear it all too often. So what I'm going to say to you people out there who are doing this to your students is, shut up! In the first place, the only limitation that the students have is you. You don't want to help them progress at all. Why? Because you're probably too busy sitting on your fat ass collecting your money for the coaching session when you really don't want to try to help them out. By telling somebody you will never be anything more than this, You are limiting them as a person. If everybody did that sort of thing, no one would ever overcome anything to be the best person they can possibly be. The old saying, army, be all you can be. There's a reason. People go in for training, not realizing the potential that was in them to become better than they were when they first came there. Archery is no different. Your goal as a coach is to help these people progress. Help them to get to where they want to be. Sometimes help them realize potential they didn't even know they had. But if you're going to sit there and tell them, listen, you can't draw this or you'll never shoot past a a 280, that's your plateau and that's what it's always going to be, give me a break. Try to sell that to somebody else. Better yet, no, no, don't sell that to somebody else. Stop coaching. Give it up. Hang them up. Not that really anyone will care because if you're not making an impact on somebody, and how do you make an impact on somebody? Making their life better. But if you can't do that, stop teaching because it's kids like this that I got the email from who either wind up getting hurt because in spite of what their coach is telling them, they've just hit a wall, they want to try harder. And when they're trying harder, they're not trying under supervision, and they get hurt. Or, even worse, they give up entirely. Because they're not mastering anything. You've just put them to the point where, hey, you can't go any further than this. Translation to that? And this is going to hurt? Hey, I'm too stupid to show you the proper technique for this. And if I don't know how to do it, I'm doubly stupid because I can't go and get help to help you. Admitting that you don't know everything is part of being a good teacher and a coach. Because anyone who thinks they know everything is full of it. 
And if you don't know something, then you go and you take more training or you find out. You call me. I'll teach you how to do some of the stuff with your students. But do not give up on the students. Better yet, even worse than that, don't make a student give up on themselves. And that's all I'm going to say about this. As I try to enhance my calm, because again, it's one of those subjects that gets me really, really upset. And I see it a lot. I hear about it from adults, from kids, men, women, boys, girls. Doesn't make a difference. I hear it a lot. You know, my my maximum target score is 280. I've never been able to get that. My coach has said, well, you're a 280 shooter. That's complete and utter horse hockey. You are as much as you want to be. You want to put more work into it, you will progress. If you progress two points at a time, I don't care. But you're able to to progress. No one should ever tell you that you're up against the wall. This is as far as you're going to go, and that's all you're ever going to be. Because believe me, people, if that were the case, we wouldn't have anything. There would be no superstars of anything out there. Yes, people have natural ability sometimes. But you know something? A lot of times, the people who are the best at what they do encountered problems along the way, and they persevered. They surpassed it. If they had somebody coaching them who was a really good coach, they helped them along the way. That's all I'm asking. So that'll do it for this rant. Sorry, I got a little bit tuned up on that one, but it happens. Anyway, the last thing I'll mention before we close is that we are going to be having our live call-in show. I meant to do it for the last weekend in February. I could not. Uh, It's scheduled for Sunday, March 6th, at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. This will allow our folks around the world in the U.K., if they want to call in, to get in on the calls. The way we're going to do it, we're going to set up a Zoom call. And there'll be a waiting room as you're going to have to have your name on your display. And you're going to send me an email saying, hey, I'm going to, I want to participate on that call that day. No problem. I'll send you out the Zoom link. I'll post the Zoom link on the Facebook page and on the website and a few other places. Everyone will come in. They'll be in the waiting room. I'll get them connected. And I'll bring them on one at a time. Ask whatever kind of questions you want. We're going to use the waiting room process with this because there are trollers out there, people who do all kinds of crazy things. We can edit things out, but I like to record all my shows live, so they are what they are. But again, we wanted to make it the first forum for anyone out there who asks us something on a show live. I will try to get someone else on the show with me. I won't mention who that is yet. I have a couple of ideas. But if I can work that out, then we'll have our first live call-in show. Later on down the road, whenever I figure out this YouTube thing, we'll have a live YouTube thing as well. i got to set up a nice area in the range and all that for that, but whatever. So that's repeating again this Sunday, 10 a.m. Eastern Time, March 6th. We'll have our first live call-in show. I'll post all the details on the website and on our Facebook page uh, later on today. Last thing. No, I think I said the last thing was the last thing, but it's not the last thing. The very, very last thing is this. You all may have remembered about my apprentice, Leanne. Well, she got accepted into a couple of good schools, and she's trying to, you know, it's one of those things where 
it's great to get acceptance someplace, but now you have to worry about paying for it. Okay. So what we've done is we started a GoFundMe for her, for her college tuition. Um, I'll share the link on here and anyone who can donate anything on that GoFundMe, please do. Um, we're trying to raise the money for her college. And I will tell you right now, if, if I have to go and sell body parts, seriously, don't really want to, but if I had to sell a kidney or something like that, she's that good a kid that I would put, put myself through that in order to pay for her school. And it's very serious that I'm saying that because we're closing in on when, you know, the next college, when college is going to start for her, which is just in the fall. So I want to see if we can get anything at all going to try to pay for, for those expenses. Um, and if anyone has a question about that, they can email me, but I will post a link to the GoFundMe on there. And hopefully you all can share that link among other people and we can get something going for her. I'm going to share this link also with some of my other friends who do podcasts and that sort of thing. Uh, I think the more that gets out there, you know, it'll be about her. Uh, she's a, one of the brightest people that you're ever going to meet, the hardest working kid you're ever going to meet. And I wouldn't be doing it for her if it wasn't the case. So I'll post that link in this, and then that'll do it for this podcast. So as I always say, if you need to contact us, you can reach out to us at highpowerarchery.com. You can email us at highpowerarchery at gmail.com, soon to be changing to, uh, to another email as I fix up that domain name. And as always, it's never goodbyes until we see you again next time. Until then, shoot straight and stay safe.